From Brisbane, Australia, this is episode 138 of The Normal Blokes, a podcast dedicated to improving the competitive 40k experience. I'm Luke, and today I have with me Jordan. Hey, hey, hey. And a special guest of ours, uh, Michael. Say hi, Michael. Hey, guys. How are we going? Great to have you here, Michael. Um, This is your... This is a repeat appearance you've been on before, have you? Yes, we did the Eldar review together, Luke, when they finally got their delicious codex back in night. Yeah. And (laughs) what a great time to be alive. So, Michael's a uh, a long-time... I'd say probably the OG Eldar player. Um... A prominent uh, Queensland figure here in uh, in Brisbane, and uh, Michael's actually also started uh, a new, very impressive podcast. Michael, would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely love to. So, me and a mate Ben Corby from Adelaide, we've started the Gathering Storm, which is a podcast that's kind of aimed at the average player. Which we had a recent conversation about how it's subjective because obviously, average in Adelaide is very, very different to average in in Queensland, given the difference in competitive levels, but We've tried to strike a, a different type of balance because there's so many quality podcasts out there. So we look at things from like a dad hammer perspective, throw it up with some lore episodes, and then, yeah, just looking at the state of 40K and how to become slightly better than you are, as well as enjoying the hobby in all the different aspects, regardless of what army you play. Yeah, nice. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good um, really good podcast, so make sure you uh, check that out. We'll put the links in uh, Facebook, social media uh, in the post, so if anyone wants to check that out, please, yeah, show some support to Michael. Hey, uh, Michael, does uh, Ben oftenly scream out, yeah, the Abbeys, go Yabbies? No, not near. He's actually left the Yabbies. He's <laughs> oh, left the Yabbies. I know, I know. He, uh, I did ask him if that was part of the reason. Apparently, he didn't mind that. It was more the, we had to drink 250 beers in, in one day. <laughs> that was a bit of a, yeah, that was cool. the, the, the aim on the scoreboard. I was like, how many are you? He goes, Oh, there's ten of us, mate. So each of you has to drink twenty-five beers on oh. day one. No, thank you. It's a tough oh, ride. A lot. Tough ride. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a big three-day tournament that we had here in Brisbane, which was the um, the Northern Alliance Open or TNA Open, uh, which we call it. And it was held at Kedron Wavell um, RSL Club, which is one of the kind of like uh, service clubs here in uh, in Brisbane. And it was, oh god, I can't remember how many people came. Was it 100 120? Uh, I believe yeah. By the end of day three, there was about a hundred left. But okay. yeah, I think it started at 120. I think the event was posted for about 150, but then they had a ton of pullouts due to being 10th edition and uh, a lot of other reasons. Because I believe um, the event was obviously advertised in ninth, and we weren't anticipating 10th at that stage. Yeah, and yeah. this event's been in the works for yeah, um, longer or the better half of a year. Um, yeah, yeah, and they, since like February, I believe. Yeah, and it's but run by um, so Will Milton was one of the um, uh, leading organisers, as well as Reese um, and Michael. Do you know the other guys who ran the tournament? Uh, I think Annie Maholland had a bit of a bit of a hand in it. There was also Brett Warhurst. Warhammer oh, Dad yes. was there. And there was one more. I think his name was Zach, but don't quote me on that. He's the only gentleman that I didn't know from from the TO group. Right, okay. same. So yeah, these guys ran an awesome tournament. They also used the terrain, uh, so they supplied yeah um, <clears throat> fifty tables of really good WTC grade terrain, all um, all like quite well presented. So it's not like you rock up to the table and there's you know uh, paper, but it was. 
it was good. It was good terrain. Um, and they also borrowed some terrain from um, a regular here, Josh McGowan, who provided some um, 10th edition terrain to support as well. So all in all, it was a, it was a huge competitive tournament, um, run really well. They also had really great prize support, um, which is something that's kind of um, they're trialing here in Brisbane. So they had for first place, um, they had $1,000. Second was 750, third was um, 500, and fourth was 250 dollars. And that um, also they had sorry prizes for um, uh, each bracket. So they had uh, separating the brackets, and they had prizes for some of the uh, next brackets aside from the top pod. And they also had uh, lucky door prizes. So a lot of prize support, a lot of support for the event. Um, there's also a lot of Art of War support, so they handed out um, random uh, prizes to players they like, so free coaching sessions, subscriptions to the, the Art of War War Room, so entire lot of support. Um, so I thought it was a fantastic event. What did you guys think about the event? Michael, we'll start with you. Look, I thought it was a really cleanly run event, which was fantastic. I remember Will saying that out of the 800 plus games he had two questions that were more than a little bit difficult and had to had to have a bit of conversation with the players but aside from that the event itself was really really well run the tables looked fantastic mm-hmm. like the the place itself was awesome the price support was definitely some of the best i've seen um they definitely put you know so much of that ticket money back into it which is awesome and i i had an absolute blast over three days and had not a single complaint aside from my knee never wants to see hardwood floor again <laughs> yeah it, it becomes tiring those three days hey and you you start noticing all these pains in different areas yeah yeah definitely i had a knee reconstruction a couple of years ago so it's never quite been the same since and seven of the eight games I ended up playing on hardwood floor which definitely felt by the end of the event Damn, you need to use utilize those chairs, mate. Those good old chairs beside us. Yeah, or well, Alex's bloody fitness mat seemed like a good idea too. Just bring a mattress to stand on or something. Yeah. That might help. Fantastic idea, actually. Shout out to Sir Alex, Alex uh, and Glazos from New South Wales, who um, brought a yeah a yoga fitness mat, which he used under his feet in the games. Fantastic idea. Fantastic idea. Um, Jordan, what do you think about the event, considering um, your situation? Uh, yes, I. It was good. It was good to be back uh, playing 40k again. It has been uh, since uprising, which was January this year. So it's it's been a good eight months. Nearly, probably you can almost say nine. Um, it was a good break. Um, and tenth editions are re- like it's a new game. So my first, I had two <laughs> two practice games before the event. Um, just to kind of get the grasp of 10th. Didn't even know being overwatched in the movement phase was a thing. <laughs> um, so I learned a lot at the event, which was the main thing. The event was organized. It was run really well. The venue was fantastic. Like, the location's really good as well, um, being that it's at... Like, Kedron Wavell's a really good venue, and then being that it's next to a major shopping center, like, there was so much availability for us uh, to go and get lunch and stuff like that. I think... Um, Another thing that's really overlooked in these sorts of events is the breaks between rounds. Um, it's so good as a player just to like unwind between games because some games, and uh, you know, as we were saying, Michael was on his feet for seven of the eight games on timber floors and he didn't sit down. It's because it's like that sometimes. You've got intense games where it's not like it's a walk in the park. You've actually got to 
think work hard so you're on your feet the whole time and you know you're watching the dice you you know watching what your opponent's doing you know you're strategizing your next turn so it's you know it's very um it's important to have a good venue and i think the venue and its location was really really good in that regard so and the event was just run really well so Mm -hmm. um yeah no it's it's awesome yeah so you found out the hard way you got you found out overwatch in the in your first movement phase i'm taking uh no no i it was the first time when i one of my practice games i played against but i did find out the hard way with overwatch against eldar um <laughs> i quickly learned in that game how why why that um the wraith knight was actually such a pain in the ass yeah it's but, incredible um, i'll though. talk about, i'll talk about that later <laughs> <laughs> okay so my man good. all right so we'll um we'll get into the the nitty-gritty of our episode so what we're going to talk about today is basically um the list we brought um to the tournament we're going to talk about uh who plays where which i'll tell you in just in a short while uh how we felt our armies did in the meta the specific kind of like interesting matchups that we found so we won't go into huge detail in the games but just kind of like a overall um general observation of how different armies played in the meta and how our army that we took fit into that meta and um, lastly, we'll then reflect on how the post-update has affected how what we bring or what we brought to that tournament will, would have been changed. So, for example, like I brought Demons, how that might have changed if that update was in place at the tournament and how different games, like if I had more or less of an input um, in terms of gameplay in certain matchups. So should be some interesting topics for us to cover. So getting into the overall, like... Uh, placings at the event. So we had Brody Middleton, who placed first, who was on Eldari, um, who ran basically a, a knight, um, three fire prisms, and a bunch of Eldar MSU units with the Incarn. Um, he's a Team Australia player, a really, really strong player. So he, he took home first place um, at the tournament. And our good friend here, Michael, actually came second. Michael, do you want to tell us about what your list had? So playing Eldar as as you know you guys alluded to it's kind of my my main army i had a wraith knight the incarn i didn't take any fire prisms i've not not a fan of them with my gameplay but i did take double knight spinner because i think double knight spinner is just such a a powerful thing in so many matchups and most of the time in the mirror is great i took wraith guard big brick at 10 just because i think that they're still still solid and i wanted to have an anvil unit that could hold the mid board if i had the opportunity and then the your typical HQ support, some spiders, some spectres, all that type of, you know, little scoring units. And that was that was pretty much my list. Yeah, excellent. And uh, it, was, it was a mean list. Uh, we, <laughs> Michael and I played each other in the top podium, uh, second last round of the event. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a doozy, that one. We'll run through that a little bit later in the episode. Uh, so I actually placed first, uh, th- sorry, first i wish <laughs> I, I came uh, third at this tournament i was running demons uh, i ran four big demons so i ran bellicor shalaxi upgraded lord of change upgraded bloodthirster um two demon line operatives in the changeling and blue scribes um a bunch of small teleporting units just to do actions and then i ran three wardog brigands because they're the same price as demon troops and demon troops die to a stiff breeze so i figured hey let's let's just go all out plus also i'd played three-day tournaments before and i learned the hard way that don't bring too many models so i want to just keep the gameplay simple so i could focus on the more in-depth things 
Um, but I had a blast with the demons. I found them very strong. Uh, and some matchups, they obviously fell a bit short, but you know you can only do so much. Um, then we had uh, Matt Falzon, who was running, and I apologize if I pronounced that wrong, Matt, but uh, Matt was running Thousand Suns. Uh, going off memory, I played him in the uh, second last round of the tournament. He was running uh, Magnus, Cairo, Fate Weaver in support, um, Araman, and two 10-man bricks of Rubrics, and a bunch of 5-man Rubrics uh, in Rhinos. So... Pretty strong list, a lot of mortal wounds, a lot of damage with the Thousand Suns, Dev Wounds stuff. So yeah, really, really strong top pod. A lot of, you know, strong armies that you'd expect in the podium. And uh, overall, I thought it was a really, really good uh, really good showing from uh, the top podium. But then also that when you look down at the top 16, there's a, a few more diverse armies that you wouldn't, wouldn't normally have expected. But uh, Jordan, Jordan also... Ransom Blood Angels. Do you want to tell us about what you ran, Jordan? Yes. Uh, I can barely remember my list, but um, I learned a lot. Um, so the main the main part and the main piece of my list I will talk about is the two Storm Ravens I ran. Um, the main reason was I, I was putting a list together with very short notice, didn't know what was good, what was bad. I've now learned so much about the edition from like the eight games that I played that I've now completely changed my list. Uh, it is very much a shooting edition. It's not a melee edition. Um, and you need like lots of small units to do actions. And it's doing actions at random times in the game in random places. So you need mobility and you need, I guess, MSU. MSU is kind of the big thing. MSU that can, it's cheap and can do stuff. So uh, at the time I was running, I had Sanguinary Guard with Dante... Uh, three units of Death Company, and like that was another bad choice. Uh, two Bile Predators, because I had two Bile Predators, um, with the Flamestorm Cannons and the Heavy Flame Responses. Um, two Storm Ravens, I think a unit of Incursors, a unit of Sniper Scouts. Um, I think that was the majority. Oh, and the Sanguinor. He was kind of cool. He was fun to play around with. Oh, and a Chaplain, so, which went with the Death Company. So... The premise of the list, I didn't really have much of an idea, but I knew the Death Company were good in the way that they re-rolled all the hits. I was like, cool. And I played them as Sons of Sanguinius, so I got extra attacks and extra strength. Um, so that was kind of fun. But uh, Death Company have zero OC unless they're within 12 inches of Chaplain. Hmm. So you had to be very careful because the Chaplain um, could do some mortal wounds on the charge and then he could give the unit Lance, so you get plus one to wound, which is cool. Um, but it was all about timing, because if you threw the unit away with the Chaplain, um, you basically lost all your OC on any of your death company. It turns out Storm Ravens have zero OC as well, <laughs> <laughs> which which I did not know until I started playing them. Um, it was like my first turn, I'm like, I'm just going to move this guy to this objective here, and I'm like, I'll nope. just check his OC quickly. I'm like, ah, I'm not doing shit. <laughs> uh, and... Like, I also didn't know, I obviously knew with 9th edition aircrafts, you know, they come in after turn two, but Storm Ravens have hover and aircraft keyword, so you can actually start them on the table, but then what I didn't know is they actually lose the aircraft keyword. So, and I, and I must have been the only person playing aircrafts at that event, because so many people yeah. thought it was weird, and I thought it was weird too, I'm like, why are we not playing Storm Ravens, they're kind of <laughs> good, and they they, uh, they absolutely suck, <laughs> um, which is cool, because I that, and that was like part of the learning curve, it was like, welcome to 10th edition, fuckface, and it's like, 
Here's your, here's your shit Amulus. Have fun. Uh, but I learned Bile Predators are really good. Um, they were kind of the hidden... They were, they were the hidden mix in the list. They're 125 points, and they got auto-hitting guns. And that's where that Overwatch and the movement phase actually became silly with those tanks. Yeah, right. Um, especially in the Custodes game. But, um, yeah, I... I think, yeah, it was just cool. It was cool to, like, try out new things and get to play some stuff and get to play against the meta, which I didn't know was the meta until I got there. Um, but, yeah, that was fun. It was good. Yeah, it was hilarious when I, I was playing and I looked over and I saw you with two Storm Ravens on the board and I went, <laughs> what the hell is that? I came over and I said, Jordan, what are you doing flyers on the board? You're like, they can start on the board. I'm like... No, they can't. They're flyers. You're like, no, they've got the hover thing so they can start on the board. I was like, all right, I don't know what's going on anymore. First flyers are seen in 10th edition and they're starting on the board. I, I don't know what's going on. I was Dude, like, I had no idea either. And I feel, and I kind of feel bad because like, I should have known my own rules, right? But I was like, <laughs> I, I'm, I was so busy leading up to the event. I was like, I almost didn't go. I was like, I'm almost not going to go to this event. But I'm not one of those people that when I sign up to something, I'm not a quitter. I don't pull out. Uh, that's why I got two kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't quit. So I was like, oh, I'll fucking go and I'll learn. I'll and learn I'm bringing so these storm ravens. I'm doing and it. I'll bring. I, and I thought I had two. I must have sold one. And oh, I'm no. like, I went through my box and was like pulling out all my stuff. And I'm like, there's one. I'm like, where's the other one? So I called Denise. I'm like, bro, I need a Storm Raven. He rocks up to the event with two. And I'm like, I've got three Storm Ravens. I only need two. It was uh, it was awesome. It was so much fun. It was so fun. Because the big thing was, I knew looking at the list, I was not going to be up the top somewhere. So it was going to be, I was going to be around mid-pack, bottom of the bottom pack. And I was going to get to play against people I'd probably never played before. Um, which made the event even better. Because I think... Every, yeah, every opponent I had, I'd never played before. So it was eight new opponents for yeah. me, which was fantastic. Because um, at these events in the past, even like Uprising or big 40k events, you always tend to run into someone that you've played before because you're kind of playing in your same meta, your same group, and you always end up playing at the same table at some point in the event. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it was very different, which was really fun. Yeah. So and nice. and uh, yes, Storm Ravens suck. That should be the name of the episode, by the way. <laughs> it, might be. it might just be. Um. So yeah, diving into our list just a little bit more. So Michael, I would say that your Elder list at the tournament was a little bit different to a lot of the others because a lot of the others ran um, uh, five prisms. So do you want to just give us a little bit more in depth, uh, kind of guidance on why you chose your list and and how you designed it to work in the meta? For sure. So I hadn't used a Wraith Knight yet in 10th, and I got very, very excited to use one. I've got a beautiful one that's been painted up, and I was like, I know that there's an update coming, and I'm sure it's not going to be as good afterwards. So I definitely wanted to, to put that on the table. But looking at my games of experience in 10th, I've played five tournament games before this event, and maybe another three or four outside. So I didn't want to confuse or complicate too much for myself on a three-day event because we know that they can be killer like they're mm-hmm. they're so draining and even like eldar doesn't have the highest model count but it's got lots of jank so you do have to think and and always prepare and pre-plan and for me i went you can only phantasm one unit you can only phantasm one unit fire and fade is two cp which is really expensive if i'm trying to shoot a fire prism and i'm trying to shoot my wraith knight only one of those bad boys is getting back to safety wasn't a fan of of that happening so I, I skewed the uh, 
fire prisms. It wasn't kind of my my jam. But for many, many editions, I have absolutely loved the Night Spinner. It's been a, a staple in my lists probably comfortably can say at least eight years, maybe even ten years. And using the Incarn, I found that Double Night Spinner just guarantees you're going to pick up a small unit. You're not going to roll a one on your extra shots and then not get any sixes or anything like that. With two Night Spinners, you're guaranteed to pick up a small unit. So that first turn, you can really threaten and pressure with the Incarn and go, cool, I'm going to pick up this trash unit. My Incarn's going to teleport. He's going to shoot a unit. He's going to charge in. And I just really wanted that kind of security with with my Incarn to know that I could force the issue from turn one if I wanted to. And then Wraithguard, look, they're still toughness seven. I took a fast hero on foot, so I had the neg one to wound. With my Wraith Knight quite often phantasming back out of line of sight, he didn't need it. So I could put it on a big brick of Wraithguard and go, cool, I've got 10 Wraithguard, toughness seven, two up armor save, and neg one to wound. Like that's... It's not easy to get rid of. I learned that there's definitely things that can take massive chunks out of it, but it's not easy to get rid of. And there's definitely matchups where, you know, I might want to try and bully the midboard a little bit or at least delay things. Like, you know, you come up against Necrons, you go, okay, it's a Lich Guard brick, there's no command barge, you kill the command barge. OC is kind of equivalent. If I can screen them off the objective a bit, they're probably not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to kill him, but he's not going to kill me. And I thought that was a. Necrons terrify me in this uh, edition, so I was like, I wanted to have a couple of answers for them, and that's that's kind of why I took what I took for the most part. I had a few conversations with some of the other Eldar players there and some that I played and was definitely trying to convince them that double double spinner is, is the way. Double <laughs> spinner is definitely the way, and yeah, most of them did agree with me in the end that it's definitely a, a powerful tool. Not as powerful now with the changes to Devastating Wounds, but yeah, I... That's the, the thought process I went into my list. Don't change too much if it's not broken. Don't try and do too many new things and keep it as simple as possible when it comes to things like stratagems. Yeah, nice. That's a good um a good approach. How do you think um how do you think your army felt in the meta, like versing other armies? How how do you think it kinda went um at the tournament? It it definitely performed how I predicted it would, which is against the vast majority of armies it just had ways to score points and ways to delete key units that it, it wasn't really an issue um so like you said i came second i ended up losing two games i went six and two and the first game i lost was to Brody middleton in round four of day two day two mm-hmm. and the second game i lost was against Brody middleton and the last round of the uh, <laughs> events so the only games i lost was against Brody. so for the other six games it definitely definitely panned out the way I completely expected. And that first game against Brody, it was a, a dice roll to see who went first. And he beat me by 15 points. It was 87 to 72 in that first game. And we talked about it afterwards and go, you know, if it's reversed, if I go first, the the score pretty comfortably flips. So knowing that made me feel really happy with my list and being the only person who took points off Brody for the whole event meant that I was, I was pretty happy with, with how it performed. Yeah, it was. Uh, was that uh, mission? Was that not much terrain to hide the wraith knight? Because I feel like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's like the deciding factor in that. Who, who gets to shoot who first? If you can't hide, yeah, it was. I couldn't hide both my night spinners. Yeah, so okay. he could kill one with a fire prisms, and then the combination of his spinner doing just enough to pick up one of my units meant his unicorn could teleport and then shoot it and then charge it and kill the other night spinner, and that. Turn one, I'd lost both. 
which really hamstrung me. And then to turn around and bring it back, it was definitely like not much I can do on a table where there's not, it doesn't feel like there's much space to hide. But mm. I was talking to Brody during and after the game. And as far as big mistakes go, like there wasn't, wasn't any big mistakes that I, that I made throughout the whole game. He had positioned his Wraith Knight to shoot my Wraith Guard in that game, moved the Incarn over to do a charge. And he was like, okay, cool. I'm going to shoot the Viper to get rid of their cover. And as soon as he did that, I was like, sweet, did absolutely nothing. I went, cool, I'm now going to shoot my Wraith Guard. And he went, oh, I forgot that they can do that. And I was like, yep. So my Wraith Guard then just toasted his Yinkan. So even though most of them got picked up by Wraith and afterwards, oh, I managed to capitalize on that type of mistake and, and really force the issue and make him play play really, really well to make sure he got the win. Mm. Yeah, those Wraith Guard kind of get you... Because like, I versed you in round seven, and uh, yep. there are a couple times where I had to... like catch myself be like don't shoot the wraith guard don't shoot the wraith like start of the turn i just say in my head don't shoot the wraith guard all right don't shoot the wraith guard um so you really have to catch yourselves and there was even one like when we started to play fast towards the end um we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more later but i remember i went to shoot something and i killed the unit and i i said in my head the start of the turn don't kill the unit because the incarn's gonna teleport and then the incarn teleported i went fuck you literally just said not to do this but then I got revenge on you because my um, my armager just like one hit the Incarn who was low wounds in return. Yeah, that was pretty funny, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> it was. It was like great success and then great failure on both of our parts. Yeah, exactly. Very, I was like, bearing order. I just got to get out of jail free card there. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so Jordan, you brought the um, the Blood Angels, uh, and some would say, not myself, but some might say they're not that great at the moment. How did you find them in the meta versus some of the other top armies and also versus some of the lower armies? You said it right there, Luke. Uh, not so great. Um, yeah, so... And it's not uh, it's not against Marines. Marines are good. I think Marines had at the time when the event was on, since obviously data slate changes, but at the event, um, they had a lot of really good... Uh, things which were not in my list. Uh, I was also running, I wasn't running Gladius, I was running um, Sons of Sanguinius for the extra attack and extra AP. Since the event, I have started playing Gladius and I love it. Like it's so versatile, it's so much fun. But we'll talk about the event. So Sons of Sanguinius, it's, it's um, chapter buff is plus one attack, plus one strength. It's not really that great because all of your stuff's like high strength. You got thunder hammers and you got your carmine weapons are all like strength five or strength eight. So getting strength nine or strength six really doesn't change anything. Like there's mm -hmm. like plus one to wound, very different. Um, there was blood angels don't really have any great strats either. They got one to fall back and charge, but again, gladius can do that. It was just the extra attack that was kind of nice, but again, it's not really a melee additions. So that was something that I learned from that. Um, but going into the meta. So the GSC game, I, I had a, uh, my first game was against Gene Steeler Colt. That was really interesting because I hadn't played it. I didn't know anything about it um, until I started playing against. I'm like, this is absurd. <laughs> but the thing that was winning me that game was he couldn't kill the Storm Ravens, and they can kill like twenty at a time. They can just kill. They pick up a brick of, um, you know, of of the. Um, little acolytes and shit. So I was just able to like, cause of the, uh, the dual fucking hurricane bolters on both sides. I was just like, it's 24 shots. And because they're twin linked, 
you get, I had a unit of incursors, so the incursors would shoot something, be plus one to hit against that unit. So the Storm Ravens are hitting on twos. They're re-rolling all their wounds from their bolters. So they're, wounding, they're hitting on twos, re-rolling wounds of threes. So it's almost always picking up pretty close to a full unit of Acolytes. And then you have another unit be oathed. So they'd be getting full reroll hits and wounds. So it's just crazy the amount of shots I was able to pump out. Plus the bile predators. The bile predators were able to just head in with the heavy flamers and the flame storm and just melt them away. And every time they tried to deep strike in, I'd set up my bile preds in positions that were like, I know where you want to deep strike in, so I'm just gonna sit this bile pred here and if you drop it, I'm just gonna burn you with a flamer. So it it the GSC game I wouldn't say was easy because he was but because I could hover the uh, Storm Ravens, I was able to just start them on the table and just knowing that he had so much in reserve, I just sent my whole army straight up the middle of the table straight away. Played super aggressive and it paid dividends. Um, I went into Eldar later in the event, got absolutely dick stomped by Eldar because you just the phantasming Wraith Knight was just insane. And then the Yin Khan popping up because of the spinners. Um, just crazy stuff. Absolutely absurd. I was like, I don't even know what game I was playing at that stage. Um, played against Custodes. Custodes game was really fun. Um, because I had, you know, I had the Storm Ravens and the Baal Preds and all that sort of stuff. It was a good game. Um, and then the Necrons game. Necrons was probably a really interesting game that I played. Um, interesting in, in inverted commas. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I, I, so the guy I played, really, really nice guy. I think his name is James Wilkins. I'm taking a stab in the dark there that it might be James Wilkins. Really nice guy. Uh, I definitely got salty about mid-game because I was like, dude, I'm rolling a lot of dice and now you're rolling just as many dice and your shit's getting back up. And I'm like, I'm just going to stop shooting because <laughs> I'm actually, we're running out of time. <laughs> You're running out of time. Like you're playing. You're, he's playing the dice game in my turn. So I was like, "This is, this is gonna stop." So I'm like, "I'm gonna stop shooting you. I'm just gonna wait to the charge phase. I'm just gonna charge and kill your stuff," which worked. But it was at that stage, it was too late. It was like he was just running. And again, it was all learning curve for me. It was like I didn't know because I, for me, I couldn't understand the mechanics of. For me, I need to read. I need to read people's books, and that's how I did mm-hmm. so well in Ninth and Eighth. Was I was able to read. I'd, a codex would come out and I'd read it. I'm like, when 10th edition dropped, I didn't bother reading any of the indexes. And I'm like, and and then that's my fault. I go into these events and I'm like, what does your army do? And he's like, oh, bro, it reanimates at this phase, this phase, this phase, this phase, and this phase. And I'm like, okay, so how do I stop you doing all that? He's like, you need to kill this, 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 and this. And I'm like, I'm just going to go and try to kill the Necrons. That didn't work. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I later now found out just killing all the things that actually uh, enhance the reanimation stuff was really important. And I later learned that in the game when I started killing his stuff. I was like, oh, this this makes sense. So, um, but yes, I learned very quickly about the event and about 10th edition. And I quickly learned that I love the game. 10th is so fun. It's, um, it's very interactive, and it was it was just good to experience that sort of level of forty k. Um, yes, I went. I got three wins and five losses, and that's the first time I've actually done that bad in an event in years. But uh, I don't even care. I was having so much fun because all my opponents were really good. The event was a lot of fun, and it was actually just enjoyable to play forty k again. 
Yeah, that's, so, that's awesome. Good to hear that you had a good time back at the first but yeah, uh, blood, first yeah, tournament back. But Blood Angels Blood Angel suck. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah. They suck so much. But with all the recent changes from the data slate, um, yeah, Marines are looking saucy now. So. And yeah. now we've got a codex coming probably in the next couple of weeks or something. So Exactly. Once the codex is out, you'll be laughing. So be interesting to see or that. Or crying. Or crying, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, now we've talked about our armies, how we felt them in the meta. Um, is there any particular game that um, really stood out to you? We'll start with you, Michael. I mean, I guess that we're going to talk about our game, Luke. Do you, yeah. do you want me to pick a different game over that one? or uh, Up to you. If, if it was your favourite, we can talk about that now. I'm putting you on the spot now. Yeah, I'm asking see. you if, it's a, if it was your favourite yeah. game. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. It was the most challenging game that I played. Like, it was definitely the game that, whilst Brody may have beaten me twice, this was the game that I felt like was the tightest, the most swingy game that we, we could have had. And I found out at, like, quarter to 11 the night before that we were actually going to be playing the next day. So I do appreciate the TOs letting me know so I didn't accidentally look at the wrong list for the whole night and then rock up and go, oh, that's uh, different. But <laughs> I think... This is a thousand game, sons, like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? I've, I'm not, not again. Um, yeah, so we, we've obviously you know known each other for a while and played each other a couple of events. And I think definitely over the last few years, you've had my number a lot more than I've had yours, which is amazing to watch someone who, you know, I think I played you in your first tournament. When yeah, we both you did. Played Eldar. You smacked me with yeah. uh, with jet bikes and <laughs> fucking warp spiders, scat, ca- and... scat cannons, and warp spiders, and yeah. I just had my my foot slogging wraith go because I liked them. <laughs> You're like, these are cool, and then and I was like, oh buddy, this is this is not so cool. But yeah, I think the last time, I think actually the last time we played at an event would have been Queensland Masters when you were running Thick City. Who's and I was Thick City. What was I running? I can't remember. Oh, Dean, Kronos, and Talos. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was so <laughs> fun. And, meet, and I meet Mountain. Like, this, meet, yeah, and meet this is mountain. back when yep. when Eldar were not good and I was trying to make them work. And I was running, like, Shining Spears and the Seer Council on bike. And, yeah, so to come up against someone who I know was obviously a quality player, I'd already achieved my goal of hitting top bracket, but also wasn't feeling the best. And I have discovered afterwards that I did get very, very sick and am still recovering from the event two weeks later. Hmm. But our game, I, I looked at your list and went, okay, Bellacore's a pain because he stops me from shooting close. He's probably going to cluster up just to try and protect himself. Shalaxi's terrifying because if she hits and connects, she'll kill whatever she touches. Mm-hmm. The brigands are annoying because it gives him something he can go put on objectives and they're not exactly easy to get rid of. Lone op characters are a pain in the butt. And then I saw the mission that we were playing and I was like, oh, okay. So you get three points for holding objectives. But if a character holds the middle objectives... You get another three points. And I was like, well, it's a real good thing that Eldar have like really tough characters that can go sit in an objective and, and be attacked. And that four giant demon monster characters and hmm. low not character, like they're not very good in this. I was just like, okay, primary is going to suck in this mission. Um, and I think there was a couple of things where we both had a little bit of, of swings go each other's way early on. But I think there was that one turn, Luke, where I managed to kill shalaxi to a wound with the incarn i killed bellacore to a wound and brought your bloodthirster down i think three wounds and that was just like a, a big big turn for me that where the dice definitely went my way 
and you you got very unlucky with some of your rolls, followed by the next turn, I think I picked up two Chaos Knight Brigands to the wound, and it was like, okay, like that kind of swung it around for me to score enough in the back end. But I don't know. I Looking at that mission, looking at your lists, looking at how you were really, really defensive against the Wraith Knight, I was like, this is this is a problem. This is definitely a problem. Yeah, it, um, I think the mission was in my favor for sure. Um, I think the terrain wasn't because like, we had one big L that was actually blocking the Wraith Knight, but it was at an angle and in a position where it actually had no impact. So literally no matter where I moved, I was getting overwatched. And uh, yeah. it's not the most comfortable feeling to have that happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just because it was Hammer and Anvil, so the objectives were within, but, like, your units could hide safely behind the wall, um, and I couldn't touch them, and I can't interact because I'm a big monster and I, ha- I have to go around ruins. You could Phantasm and then move and be in threat range at any point whenever. So I couldn't... I didn't have the onus to stand big guys on the objectives because they just die. Um, so I had to make a play. I ended up making a play, I think, in the second term because I couldn't just sit back and do nothing um, based on just the movement of the Wraith Knight and being able to Phantasm because it basically moves, what, uh, 17 inches. Um, yeah. So I can't stay away from it. And if I castle up... If I castled up too much, I thought... Um, I just lose that anyway. So I actually just thought I'd try and damage check you, and it worked quite well. I think the first two turns, I think I got in a good position. I then came in and killed a bunch of like key characters and vehicles. Um, but then the wraith and I just remember popped off in one turn and literally just like zero to hundred or hundred to zero Belcor, just bang. Uh, yeah. And also Shalaxi, which I didn't expect. I expected you to get Shalaxi because she had like fourteen wounds versus the Incarn. And then the Incarn just came in and I felt like all my saves and all my feeling pains. I'm like, oh, okay, that's something that happened. Um, so, yeah, yeah it, it was, was just like in one turn. Brutal just turn, that turn. It was, wasn't it? But it was a real tight game. I thought I thought at second turn I might have had you. I might have done enough damage and put enough pressure or enough threats that you wouldn't be able to deal with them all. But um, I guess Elder have the goods, right? They, they had the damage output to do it. And um, I guess... So the only army that was able to take the damage check in the turns I did it, like withstand the damage and then not pass the damage check, was um, was Eldar. Because I only went down to the two other players, really. Yeah, you went 6-2 and two as well and went down to myself and Brody. And look, I, I just remember at the end of that game, because like I said, I was starting to get sick, didn't know it at the time. And then trying to do maths at the end of such a, a challenging game. I, oh, yeah. I remember. I think they, the TO was like, why don't you pull out a calculator? And I was like, that is the single best idea I've heard all of it. Because I was just, I couldn't do basic math. And as a teacher that can't do basic math, I felt mildly uh, irrelevant. But yeah, that was, it was such a tight game. And like, like I said, we've always had good games and they've always been, you know, relatively tight. But this one here, like it definitely stood out as like, okay, like, this is coming from someone who I know is a great player. I know Eldar are a bit busted at the moment, but you know he's definitely made me work for it. And it was one of my more one of my more accomplished wins. I think probably the most accomplished win because I was like, okay, this is the tightest game that I've had where I've managed to to do enough to to get the points that I need to to squeeze over. Like I think it was what a five point game in the end. Yeah, I think you beat me by five points in the end. Uh... Yeah, like. 
68 to 63 or something like that. So it wasn't a very yeah. high-scoring game either. Yeah, I was a little Which bit made... like salty as well. I was like, man, in the last turn, I drew two cards, couldn't achieve them, discarded one, couldn't achieve it as well. I was like, okay. And also, your Wraith Knight like, popped off and and did 12 mortal wounds or something to my Armager. Yeah, and just I was like, to kill it. I was like, oh, okay, well, there we go. Because that was my five-point primary to tie the game. And then any of the yeah. cards, if I just drew one card that... Because I got like, I got like, bring it down, no prisoners. And assassinate. And assassinate. And it was and like... it was just my spirit seer left with some wraith guard. And you're like, I can't kill the wraith guard to get to the spirit yeah. seer. The wraith guard, which lasted three turns in combat with a bloodthirster. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like I said, like, you, you know... Probably, definitely shouldn't have, but that tanky unit that can just kind of hold out for a little bit is yeah. something else I don't have much of. But yeah, the, the, the cards in the last turn. Yeah. yeah. The cards in the last turn definitely hurt you. And I was, yeah, primary. I think I, I don't even think I scored maybe like 20 points max for primary. It was just such a tough, a tough mission. And yeah. it, it was definitely, by the end of that game, I was done. I was like, cool. Yeah, it's a tight game. I'm done. <laughs> I had a great time, man. It was a fantastic game. Well done. And congrats on the win. Cheers. You'll get me next time, I'm sure. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll see. It'll keep it interesting, eh? Uh, so, Jordan, yeah. um, any... Do you want to tell us, was there one particular matchup where you were like, you thought you played like really well, the Blood Blood Angels came through? Is there any particular one? Yes. Uh, probably my favourite game was against Lawrence from Victoria. Played against his Custodes. Uh, that was the same mission you guys were just talking about with the characters holding the objectives. Um, last that round, was the, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so... Um, was that last round of day two? Uh, no, it was the last round of the event. Day three. Character no, first, mission. First round of day three. First, first round, round sorry. Three. First seven. Yes, yeah, yeah, seven. yeah, but, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I played against the Custodes in that game, and it was like... Uh, he's and he started a lot of stuff up and deep struck a lot of shit on the table too and I was like I don't really have anything that can kind of hold objectives like marine characters die really easy so I was like but what I can do is I can just like set the storm ravens up in a particular place on the table and then force his influence to only drop in like one place and then I can try hold the other two objectives which is essentially what I did um, and he got really fixated on trying to kill the Storm Ravens because they were just, they had all that high damage, high AP stuff, which just kills Custodes. Um, but it turns out the uh, Bile Predators were actually the bane of his existence in the end because when you oath the target with a Bile Pred to reroll the wounds, it's kind of silly. Um, and then you do it again in the movement phase of them. Mm. So it's like you get to shoot him again. Yeah, and, and they're oathed as well, yeah, if you don't kill Yeah, them. and they're still oathed, so it's like... And you won't kill... You can't kill 10 custody guards in, like, one fucking turn of shooting. And you kind of just got to leave some bait out there, and my bait was the Storm Raven. I'm like, well, it's neg one damage. He does two damage of this stuff, so I'm like, I'll just let him try kill it. I'm like, because I put him in hover, and I'm like, you deal with that. Anyway, there was some really, like... The, I've So in the list, there's a really cool trick with the Sanguinor. Um, the Sanguinor, basically, the first... First time the enemy goes into engagement range with you, um, you put him in strat reserve or deep strike, and every time the opponent goes into engagement range with you, um, you can basically essentially bring him in and like charge them from deep strike. It's really cool. You can just place him anywhere within engagement range into any fight that's occurring in the turn you choose. Um, 
but against custodes, it's never a good idea because it's going to be one dude with seven wounds and a two-up armor going into like ten custodian guards. So I was never going to win that. So I'm like, I'll just keep in strat reserve and I'll wait. And he kind of moved his whole army up to the front and I just dropped in his backfield. And I'm like, I know at some point I'm going to pick up a card which requires me to take his back objective. Hmm. And he had all those little bolter sisters on the back. And I'm like, I'll clear his backfield with a sanguinor and then I'll just sit on his backfield objective. And the game was really, really close, but um, because he was he was pulling good cards and he was kind of starting to push my shit in at one point, um, but I just you know just persevered and let the storm ravens die and then kind of let them on melee and it's just go sit on some objectives and um, it was just a close game and that that was the first time that I think at that event I had started to kind of see the tactical play intent, like the things that I was trying to do to try win a game. Because at this stage, I think I'd lost almost everything. So I was like, I'd won two games. I'm like, I need to win this game. <laughs> so um, The resurgence yeah. coming back. Oh, man. I was like, I need to win this. And I'm like, I'm looking at my arm list going, I wish I could change this mid-event because it fucking sucks. <laughs> but I was like, but I had, I had a fun game. And it was, it was interesting because the Storm Ravens at the event just became the bait for everyone. Everyone's like, they need to die. And I was like, yeah, man, you kill them. You do you. Do you. Get them, boy, get them. Get them. <laughs> you, you play your game, man. I'm not going to step in your way. <laughs> so I was like, you kill those fucking things. And they're kind of hard to kill. Like They are. They want damage, man. It's pretty interesting. I, I saw that on, on a, the profile. Yeah. On a toughness 10, 14 wound model. Yeah. Um, you know, and... It was really fun into the Custodes game, into the Eldar game. I was like, oh, I can't. I like. I looked at the list and like, and I kind of had an idea of what everything did. And I'm like, okay, Yinkan's going to do this, and the Yinkan did what it did. It killed like, I think he bombed some incurses with um, the Night Spinners, and then popped up mm. the Yinkan there. He charged the Sanguinary Guard and Dante, and I. That's where he killed them, and I'm like, oh, I can't do anything there. But I'm like, I've got this death company with a chaplain over here. I'm going to heroically intervene here. That didn't go well. <laughs> and because he charged me, I then put the Sangler in, so I had like all my characters fighting him. Um, didn't kill him, but then I just fell over on back, and then they brought the Storm Ravens and just beefcaked him. <laughs> like, see you, boy. Nice. So I got rid, of the, got rid of the Incarn early, which was fun. But but then the problem was, I'm like, ah, oh, still going to deal with that night, and I'm like. The yeah, knight's right. What's the range of the wraith cannon? Thirty-six, I think. Is it Michael? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's so like, wraith and I'm like, thirty-six. Mm. Yeah, I'm like, man, the minute that thing like phantasms and then it gets its movement, I'm fucked. I'm like, yeah. I can't true. hide a storm raven. Yeah. I'm like, um, and yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Nice. And then I was like, ah, this isn't it. It's like a, it was a losing battle at that stage because like I need to move to the midboard. He's kind of just standing in the midboard, and with like the massive gun on that thing, it just sees around every corner. Yep. Yeah. So you just like you poke the barrel out, and it just sees the whole table. You're like, ah, that's not fun. So, <laughs> um, was it was good to experience that that game because, um, I hadn't obviously I'd heard so much about why it was you know, the Eldar game was horrible in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to experience it. And it, it was, it wasn't fun, but uh, at the same time, it's, you know, it's what 40K is. Like you just run into some games that are just, you know, bad matchups and some games aren't. Mm. 
No, well, you can lose uh, by you can lose by a hundred point. You can lose by fifty points and still have a really fun game, or you can lose by five points and have a terrible game. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know, so, and that's a uh, it was that's yeah. a good segue into the um, post update. So, we had the points update. We had the the balanced data slate, uh, which changes the fundamental <laughs> aspects of some games, and particularly, I think Eldar got hit. Um, decently hard. There's some arguments online that they didn't get hit hard enough and some other armies didn't get hit hard enough. Um, with the Eldar player here, uh, Michael, how do you think the update affected Eldar and how it, it kind of goes in the meta at the moment? Look, look, I think Wraith Knights are dead, which, you know, we'll pull one out for the Wraith Knight. I'm very, very glad I got to use one in a tournament. He can go back on my shelf until they're good again, but... The fundamental change to things like devastating wounds is huge because as I've been going through my, you know, the Eldar Index and things like that, there's not very many things that actually just do mortal wounds. Mm. A lot of the things for us, it says, you know, turns into devastating wounds. So that makes a, a huge difference for us and, and how we play. A lot of our stuff that was good has gone up in points, deservedly so for the vast majority, which means that we have to kind of, in my eyes, we have to kind of pivot how we play and I'm not going to be jumping off my uh, my bandwagon because it's kind of like my house. I'm not going to leave that. But I, I see the change up as going, okay, instead of going for I'm going to table you whilst scoring points, it's going to be I'm going to go back to how old I'm meant to play and I'm going to be focusing on scoring points the Eldar way, not just because I've got, you know, a Wraith Knight that's unkillable shooting you and then running away with the change Phantasm as well. So for me, mm -hmm. the list that I've been writing, uh, I'm still still struggling to figure out the best way, but I think some Night Spinners are still good because that, that neg two to move and no advance is, is massive. But I think lots more MSU will be seen for Eldar. I think we're going to see people are going to look at things like Hornets. I know they've gone up to 100 points, but two Bright Lancers for 100 points is pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. I saw an interesting post that was looking at even the Crimson Hunter. So, Jordy, you might not be alone running aircraft, but Fuck for 100, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 155 points, you get two Bright Lancers and a Pulse Laser. Yeah, right. So, four go, shots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. And then you've got to attach to a vehicle, which is probably going to be, and in this edition, vehicles are somewhat durable. So Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm probably going to play around with, with one of them. But for me, I'm looking at things like Spiders are still great, Spectres are still great. Hawks are, you know, an interesting choice now because they didn't go up in points. I think spinners are still... I'll still be running one to two spinners. Every single one of my lists starts with one of them. I think the Incarnate 350 is still an auto-include, but you're not going to throw them away as readily. Like, I definitely was happy to, to toss him in earlier, but I think now you've yeah. got to really find the moment to, to send him. Yeah, a bit more. It hurts a bit more to lose, a, or lose it now, right? Like, before it was like, oh, I'll neg one wounded and send it in and you deal with that while my Wraith Knight and everything else gets ready, you know? Exactly. Isn't it, isn't it funny, though, how you were just saying earlier how people are like, oh, they don't think Eldar was hit hard enough. Like, I, it's funny that people say that because you know if they did get hit hard enough no one would play them they'd be like oh it's not fun and and whoa, GW, whoa, i think whoa, i've whoa. learned <laughs> no one yeah we've got no one for that while you i know you will michael that will never change <laughs> you'll play them if they're like bro you get one model that's all yeah. you're allowed to play and you can have guardians. one so right right yeah yeah I'm you can have one guardian, on the table. guardian list yeah uh, and that that's the thing you 
you've got to be careful with how hard you hit things in some ways because people will you, you'll have all the people who bought Elder trying to go oh, I just bought this stuff and El, you know Games Workshop's already nerfed it I want a refund rah 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 I feel like and this is just going off intuition here but I don't think Eldar are going to get a codex anytime soon I think the reason why they haven't hit Eldar as hard as they possibly could have is because I think we're going to be playing with an index for a while we're not at all signposted for any time soon for a codex. So index is going to have to be competitive enough to at least pretend to stand up as all these other armies get codexes. So we've seen them change things and change them back. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, 12, 18 months down the track, we've got, you know, 10 codexes and Elder aren't one of them that they, they revisit and go, well, hang on a second. They're definitely lacking now. What can we do to, to bring them back? But... I think the overall generic build for me for Eldar is going to be a lot more MSU little vehicles here and there. I'm I'm not going to lie, I'm actually really excited because yep. I I always like having to play differently, and I never ever want to be one of those people that whinges and complains. Oh, my army is not like I will find a way to make it work, and if I can't make it work, I'll find a way to have fun losing, and that's that's what it's about. Yeah, and that's all it is, man. It's about just enjoying what you have, and it's like. Um, I, I think that that's what I liked about all the changes to the data slate. I was like, yeah, some stuff got nerfed pretty hard and some didn't. And it's like, I'm glad not everything did because it just changes the meta now. There's a new meta. That's cool. We'll find out what it is in a couple of months' time and then the next data slate will be out and everyone will be like, oh, they're going to change this again. It's just like, that's the progression of the game. I think people just... I think people get salty because it's like they sell some of this, they buy some new stuff, and then they're like, oh, "I don't get." By the time I build it, paint it, it's like it's a bit fucking nerfed. It's like, well, you know, that teaches you for buying into the meta. <laughs> if you really just like, for example, I'm a prime example of this: a Gladiator Lancer from Marines, really good vehicle. Um, it's become super popular, and I, when they came out, I liked the look of them. Because I saw the Reaper one with the auto cannons and I was the big chain cannon on it. I was like, that thing looks like a bile pred. And I'm like, I want one of them. So I go out and buy one. And I'm like, cool. But I put the bile pred, the Reaper build on it. And then it turns out the Lance is really good with the long, um, the long basic anti tank gun on it. Mm. Turns out that one's really good. And I'm like, damn, I wish I'd fucking that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, you know, and then you go online to buy them and they're all sold out. You're like, what a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely right. been happening. So, what do you guys? What do you guys think is the top? Like, do we think Elder is still the top, or do you think it's been notched down and someone else is going to take the cake? Or, um, from my experience, <laughs> from that one game against Necrons, I'm saying it's Necrons. They're going to be because they just with the change to Dev Wounds, um, it just it basically made Eldar stronger. It made um, Necrons stronger because Eldar was probably their biggest competitor. Like, they could just go dev wound a whole brick of warriors. Mm. And it's like, you've just taken, you know, a bazillion mortals now. It's like dev wounds have changed so much. Um, you're going to basically... I, you, I don't know. You might see a build change. You might start seeing, like, big bricks come back. For example, like, instead of just running lots of MSU to deal with, say, the Necron build... You might just see like big bricks of something that can shoot, like that can like ten hell blasters or um, you know six centurions again, like these really bi these big builds that can just dish out a lot of shots. Mm. They might make a return. Death stars, that's the word I'm looking for. Death oh, stars. Yeah. <laughs> they that you know it could um, essentially return of the death stars with 
with MSU builds around it to do the mission. Yeah, essentially. Um, it's kind of what we've got at the moment, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. But you had... Then there was the anti-Death Star, which was the fucking Wraith Knight. The Wraith Knight was Luke Skywalker yeah. with his fucking <laughs> swamp... Getting those Womp Rats at fucking in his T-16, you know? It was just him rolling up. <laughs> yeah. That was the Wraith Knight. Look, I think Wraith it fixes... Was anti-everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly what I was about to say. It fixes the problem of... I run one gun and it's good at everything. You know? Like... Yeah, I, that's you know, exactly my Wraith Knight, it's good in vehicles, infantry, invos, anything it shoots, it's good at. It'll kill it. Now, it's if kind it, of like more, you know, rock, paper, scissors. Like, you got to shoot the right thing into the right unit. Yeah, and, like, if you look at the Tyranids Codex, I mean, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but the new Tyranids Codex has came out, and there's, from what I'm hearing, there's nothing in that book that is just like, fuck my life, this is impossible. There's, or we haven't found it yet. Who knows? That's exactly it. But it's like, we're not, there's no insane combos that people are reading where they're just like, oh, this game's busted again. So, you know, maybe codexes are just going to be glorified versions of indexes. Because hopefully, hopefully you know, they don't go overboard. But yeah, we'll see. Time I think, will tell. And I'm excited. I can't wait for, I love change. Change is so good for the hobby. It gets those juices flowing again. Hmm. For Sorry. lack of a better term, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I think we we've all been in the hobby long enough that we've we've gone through those periods where Games Workshop would release a codex and that codex could be a powerhouse for two years. Yeah, I'm talking like let's go back to fifth, sixth, seventh edition. You go, okay, this is not going to change because Games Workshop isn't listening, and what we're stuck with is this horrendous, you know, Screamer Star or Pally Star or. Yanari, like all these builds that we just went, oh, awesome, nothing's going to change. There's no FAQs. And now that they're so active in in acknowledging and rectifying things that might not have been exactly how they planned. And they copped flack for, oh, you should have tested it properly. And look, they probably could have done some more testing on things like the Wraith Knight. But at least they're doing things about it now. Like I, I remember for many years when Eldar were not so good, and we didn't get anything for, you know, I think it's about four years. And just seeing all these new things come out and go, cool, I can't do anything about it. But now we've got this this awesome state of things are changing all the time. What's top isn't always going to be top. People are aware of this. So if you're going to meta chase, you either have to have real deep pockets, which in this hobby have to be really deep, or you have to meta chase with kind of your faction. So someone like myself it's like oh you know wraith knight's no good all those people have all wraith knights i'm like yes yeah, sweet i put the wraith knight back on the shelf and i go i've got thirty-five thousand other points of eldar that i can now pick and choose from yeah i'm okay yeah. i'm fine like there's there's no world where i can't put a list in that I'm, I'm going to at least enjoy playing so i'm i'm super excited but i definitely agree with you geordie on the fact that i think crons are crons are going to be the the way forward i know that they lost money, some yeah. of their ability ability to, to res as much but you'll just see a ghost arc thrown in and that will be enough it fixes that yeah yeah warriors got cheaper and as i played necrons game six which is a brutal game to be playing against necrons yeah and i was like it's fine i've got a wraith knight now it's everything's going to be okay and i shot lich guard and after reanimations there were two dead crypto thralls and i went awesome and then it's his turn and he's going to reanimate those two damn crypto thralls so i was like all right cool Still can't kill Lich Guard. Let's just kill everything else. Yeah. yeah. I also think they changed to the battle tactic. Like, you can only vect battle tactic strats. 
the Necron reanimate strat is not a battle tactic, so it, it, it kind of like inadvertently buffed them. Oh, so, no. Yeah, but it yeah. also affected them as well because I believe that they had access to a strat that allowed them to do um, the reanimate for free. That's but now that's true. Been a, yeah, because that's no longer a battle tactic. It can't be used for free anymore. So yeah. it, it did buff them and neck. But I think the big issue, biggest issue with that Necron build was the Crypto Thrall's just coming back. If they made it that you couldn't just reanimate them, completely different game. Yeah, yeah. You know, if sure. they died the first time, they were dead I forever. Um, I've, I've played yeah. games where I've killed 20-plus Crypto Thralls, and there's been four on the list. And yeah. I sit there and go, and I've watched, watched Necron yeah. players... I've literally watched Necron players go, oh, cool, I made 24 out of 28 four-up feel no pains, and my Crypto Thrills just died. Good thing I've only got two more wounds, and I'm just, like, crying on the outside. Not even <laughs> I'm just like, my dice? I've literally just watched you roll two dice, and for 12 times in a row, you rolled four pluses. This is just, I, <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah. I'm just not going to shoot you. I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to try and play around you and see if I can score enough points. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so, yeah, we've I had... Think... Oh, sorry, George, you go... Yeah, I think as we said, Necrons. I think Custodes took a big hit in their change. Yeah, definitely. Um, yep. with, with the unit sizes being reduced, I mean, you can probably now look at those MSU builds. Still, maybe good. Um, I think Eldar is still good. GC uh, yeah, Jess. Juicy got hit yeah. real hard, but they kind of needed yeah. it. I think. I think if you played that like well, you just couldn't lose. Okay, look at Eric and go, yep, cool, who's going to touch him? Yeah, I mean, you got infinite units that are OC2. Like, it, it's, it's, if if you play it flawlessly, you know, I mean, but that could be said for anything, right? But I just found it was a very oppressive army. I actually preferred to play Eldar than GSC. <laughs> Weird, because I played GSC and I enjoyed the game because it was like, I got to kill stuff. Stuff died and it died, but then it got yeah. back. That is fun. The point was, yeah. shit was dying, where it was like Necrons. It was like I'm just gonna stop rolling dice. Yeah. I'm wasting time. <laughs> uh, con- <laughs> can't score. Controversial opinion. I actually think demons might be on the up because I think so. Even though demons got a bit of a a bit of nerf, like all the big demon builds got more expensive. Some got like nerfed for almost no reason, but whatever. Um, the the thing is that everything that killed them actually got hit harder than they did themselves. So, like, the Wraith Knight was probably the biggest bane in the Demon Army. GSC coming back infinitely was the biggest bane in the Demon Army. Custody 10-man bricks was the biggest bane of Demon Army. So I think, um, like, they might be might be even a little bit stronger, even though they got Didn't a nerf. Didn't mention Necrons, mate. <laughs> Necrons, yeah. Necrons, the demons can actually do because they do so much damage in multiple phases. So it can actually yeah. do it. Um, and you have a lot of um, have a lot of uh, precision attacks in combat, so you can just you know maneuver. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, yeah, I think, and it's there was something weird I picked up in the data slate, but they. GW actually nerfed stuff that they... It was almost like they nerfed things they predicted were going to take over the change. Yeah. So, for example, um, for Marines, they they obviously reduced a lot of points. On my list, I saved like 170 points on. But the Gladiator Lancer, which is obviously a good vehicle, they just increased its points a little bit. It wasn't under-costed, but they're just like, 
we're not going to buff it too much, but you know we're going to increase it a little bit because we know you're going to start using more of these. Here's a love tap. So, there you go. It's just the fuck. But you know what they didn't? You know what they didn't do? They didn't fucking touch Storm Ravens. So. <laughs> <laughs> broken. Fuck me, right? So broken. <laughs> I'm the problem. Yeah. Anyway, boys, I think so. That that brings our episode to a wrap. It's um. We're hitting on the hour, and uh, I think we've covered a lot of things that we wanted to talk about in this episode, so uh, with that, we might close it off. Before we go, though, Michael, would you just like to remind our viewers of your podcast and do a little plug for us? Yeah, so guys, The Gathering Storm is a podcast myself and Ben Corby have started up. We're on Spotify and iTunes at the moment. iTunes, I guess what it is. Um, we're still really early in our journey. We've got, you know, 14, 13 episodes in. So, you know, people like yourself, Luke and Geordie, you guys have, have run so we can crawl behind you and, and try and help help expand the, the content that we're delivered. But we would love for people to reach out, let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. And, yeah, give us a listen and can't wait to, to hear your feedback from it all. Yeah, nice. Yeah, keep up the great work, mate. And thanks for thanks for yeah. coming on tonight and sharing your views and opinions with us. We'd love to have oh, you my on. My pleasure, boys. It was great to be and back on, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for having me back. It's been a long time. I'm glad I'm back. Oh, you're always with us, Geordie. All right. In spirit. Signing off. Um, if you liked what you heard, everyone, uh, leave us a, a like on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, also, send us any feedback that if you liked or didn't like about the episode, we'd love to hear your opinions. Also, if you'd like to support the, the podcast and help us continue doing what we're doing, just sign up to our Patreon and any help is greatly appreciated just to cover the cost so we can run even on the podcast. So appreciate you listening to us and we'll see you in the next episode. See you guys. Fine, Russell. <laughs>